It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right. Uh, hello again, everybody, and welcome. It is a victory Monday for ECU baseball, and we'll hear from Coach Godwin coming up in just a little bit. Patrick Johnson here with you. Philip the Ref Pilkington is uh, producing the uh, show today. Do we have anybody else in there, Pilk? Yeah, we have intern out? Isaac in. Intern Isaac is well, Isaac knows the rules. The interns cannot speak to me. So uh, just if he has anything to say, Pilk, it has to go through you. That's the rule. Them's the rules. I'm sorry, Isaac. Can't argue Isaac with the rules. Isaac is a right. Can't argue with the rules. Isaac is uh, doing fine work, and he's uh, working all kind of crazy hours. Apparently. Uh, all right. Um, let, what are you? Wait a minute. What are you whispering about, Pilk? I'm, I'm hearing you whisper over there. I don't uh, like. Sorry, it. I forgot weird. my mic was still on. I'm, there's a graphic when we go to this two screen that's got a weird logo right in the middle of it, and I can't figure out where it's okay. coming from. Well, let's uh, for the video audience do that. If you're with us on. Uh, Facebook or YouTube or the uh, the X. I don't think we're on Rumble with the True Believers. We're uh, on the, all the uh, other platforms. So, oh my gosh, it's Stephen Igo, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here. And if he retweets, if he retweets the promo of the show, we will have thousands more than we normally would. So, uh, Igo, get the retweets uh, going there for old PJ. Help me out. I'm um, retweeting as we speak. Stephen, Stephen Igo is with us here. Uh, on the Patrick Johnson show today. Let me ask you this, uh, Stephen. Uh, you uh, were in uh, Fayetteville. You were in Chapel Hill. You were in Greenville. What a great series this was this weekend for Pirate Baseball. And to get two out of three from UNC, uh, and they could have very easily won the game Friday. Yeah, it was just, I mean, everything college baseball should be. Uh, in, as far as these in-state games, I mean, I, I you know, you can't get enough of them, and I don't think you can look anywhere else around the country and see the atmosphere we saw at all three locations this weekend. Obviously, fitting way to cap it off at Clark LeClaire because that was the best of the three atmospheres, the most rowdy, the most was on the line, playing at home, I think a huge advantage for ECU for the final game. And I just felt like if they could win Saturday, even after losing Friday, obviously you don't want to lose when Trey Savage goes out there and shoves. But it happened, and I was like, if they just find a way to get a strong Zach Root start, win Saturday, and take it back to Greenville with the deciding game on the line, I feel pretty good about ECU winning this series. I knew it wouldn't be easy, and ECU found a way. And you got to give North Carolina credit, too. Tremendous team, tremendous lineup. They also, I don't think, they kind of had a resiliency to win as well. It was just a matter of who was going to get the last of bat, and ECU was at home, and they got that last of bat. But a huge early season win. In, in as far as series, you could argue that the series is more important for ECU given their strength of schedule and the American. UNC right. will have plenty right. of games, you know, to, to get marquee series wins. So I think that's why it's so significant for East Carolina. Yeah, and uh, credit to Scott Forbes for playing this series and Cliff Godwin for putting it together. And uh, it's good not only for the Pirate program, I think it's good for North Carolina's program. And I think it's just good for college baseball in the state and college baseball uh, overall. Uh, a lot of redemption, it seemed like. You know, there's some uh, 
miscues at times for ECU. Danny Beal comes to mind. The freshman comes to mind who got the game winner. So it all. We'll talk to Cliff Godwin about this in just a few minutes, Stephen. But uh, you know, to me, uh, this was uh, I think a lot of a mental to bounce back the way a lot of guys did this weekend. Yeah, I think it just in all the answers by ECU late in yesterday's game, like UNC had the momentum on several occasions and East Carolina just kept finding a way to answer. Part of that, you credit the home crowd, but also you credit the guys. And I think a lot of that is the culture. I mean, I I know that's an overused term in college athletics. Nobody wants to hear about culture or all that sort of stuff, but it's true in ECU baseball and it shows on the field. No matter how much they're down, no matter what punch they take, they always seem to find a way to bounce back. And they did that on Sunday, obviously Bristol Carter, the big individual story. He's the hero on Sunday. On Friday, he lost a few balls in, in the lights or the sky, whatever it was. Right. It was kind of a weird-looking sky in his first career start. Highly touted freshman, but he gets to walk it off. And then Danny Bill, I mean, there's not many pitchers in the country that are pitching four consecutive games this early in the season. And uh, so, so Danny, I think it may even be five going back to the end of the Ryder game or the Ryder series. So five straight appearances for Danny Bill, uh, I think – that's a lot to ask, but he's a senior. He wants the ball, and uh, he found a way to get that final out. Nice play by Dixon Williams as well on Saturday to end that game. Yep. All right, we're going to talk to Cliff Goblin all about this coming up. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Igo, but obviously uh, state news are happening in the states. National news. It's blowing up. It's been talked about all day and uh, all weekend, and that is the uh, court storming at, uh, at uh, Wake Forest. And uh, Filipowski for Duke gets uh, hurt. Pilk, I mean, well, let's get Igo. We're, we're talking to Igo here, the great Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors. I mean, I, look, I, I like a good court storming or field rushing as much as anybody. But we saw Caitlin Clark get, uh, you know, trucked at one of these deals. Uh, and now you see Filipowski get hurt and, and maybe miss the game this week uh, for Duke. And you're talking about a guy who's possibly an All-American. And, and if Duke's going to win... Uh, the ACC regular season, he's got a factor in that. So not having him for a game or two would be would be really, you know, uh, devastating in a way. You know, I just I look at it as I don't again I don't mind the court, but now there there's some places have this a little better organized where, you know, the the Yellow Jackets kind of keep, uh, you know, the the keep the players and the coaches separate from the crowd. They could have their good clean college American fun, but it. At Wake Forest, it was Katie bar the door. It was like they just like the clock didn't even hit zero. It seemed like so. Um, look, I I think again I'm fine with the court storming, but let's uh, Wake Forest ought to be able to get it together a little more there at the Joel Coliseum. I go. What do you What do you say on any of this? Yeah, I mean, that, I agree. It, I feel like we didn't use. I mean, it's always been discussed, but. Now we've had multiple instances in a short amount of time where significant players are getting run into. Like, there's got to be a way for security to quickly get on the court and make sure the teams get off. I feel like that has been done more, I guess, better in the past, or maybe there's just more of a buffer yeah, time. Just, it wasn't done well at Wake. This yeah, week like there was no was security covering up the Duke players, or at least Filipowski, obviously. So um, they got to figure it out. Look, I, I don't think <laughs> – I mean, court storming has been a part of basketball for how many years now? Basically, since it was invented in college basketball, has had these types of crowds. So I don't think you can get rid of court storming entirely. 
But I think it falls on the school. You got to be more prepared if you're the university. Wake Forest has to understand we need maximum security in that situation in case we win the game because obviously they're going to storm the court. So that's kind of my take on it. And the other thing about this is, you know, the ACC doesn't have any uh, court storming uh, fines or uh, procedures and policies, uh, if you will, in place. Um, Pilk, what do you say on this? Well, first off, you're favored by two and a half points. Why are you storming the court? I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> secondly, Spoken like a true Duke. <laughs> um, no, secondly, um, the weird thing was, and I think most kids used to kind of jog out there, right? This kid that hit Filipowski, I mean, that was a dead sprint. You would think he was running the 100-meter dash or the 40-meter dash. I mean, that was – or the 40-yard dash, excuse me. That was crazy. And look, yes, there needs to be some sort of the, – the universities need to do a better job, but people just need to have more care. I mean, I think that was the thing. Back in the day, people well, had integrity. You're a lot, Philip. And they, I know. And it, look, the first kid, it was incidental contact. It stinks. That's kind of on the university. Once he had got hit, though, the second kid, who I don't think actually hurt Filipowski, went up and, like, grabbed him and was, like, totally taunting him in his face. Like, these are just a bunch of egotistical – I mean, if he got in trouble, let's be honest, say that kid got thrown in jail, daddy's bailing him out, he goes to wake. We know that. So, wow. you know, you shouldn't have thrown me on this segment. You know I'm ticked. Our star player just got his ankle sprained. Patrick, I'm already over here sweating. I'm ticked off. If we had to hold my beer this week, you know what it would be. Well, I don't know the way technology's been treating this morning. Maybe not, but I, I just, right. yeah, I was, I was hot. Dom can tell you because he was producing. We were both in the studio during this time, and I screamed some words I could not repeat on air when that happened. You know, to me, again, I just think you got to. I'm fine with it if you're going to do it. Now, if you're the ACC, you want to step in and fine wake or whatever I'm, I'm fine with that too you know at this point but then you i think you need to have a a, a policy if you're going to do that and i'm not trying to throw a wet blanket on anything because i mean we've seen a good court storming at uh, east carolina uh, i go and uh you know so we we know what that's uh, all about and i thought that was handled pretty well but at some point we've seen this in football somebody's just gonna deck somebody and i'm here for that that's just that's you know Wait, a player decking a fan or a fan decking a player? Yeah. Which, okay. Player oh, the, decking a fan. fan throws oh, yeah. If, yeah, I mean, a player – because, I mean, you just got – if you lost, you just got done playing a highly emotional game, and it's emotional when you lose. And, I mean, he, these these dorks are lucky that uh, he – Filipowski – if it had been Christian Leitner, he'd have stomped on him. That's what would have happened That was there. a love tap, Patrick, that, and you know it. Right. Well, Leitner would have probably love tapped them. I'm sure. All right, I go. Or uh, I goes my ride over to. Uh, is my ride over to uh, tiebreakers tonight? He's driving. Well, I got to so. know where to pick you up. I don't know where you're at. <laughs> it's the magic of radio. I yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know where I'm at half the time. Uh, so I tell you what, we're gonna let I go go. I go will rejoin us in a little bit for our Cliff Godwin segment. Uh, We'll hit a couple of uh, cuts for you coming up next in our Pirate Report here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right. uh, John Shire had to say this or had this to say after the uh, game about the court storming and the uh, flip injury. Disappointed we lost. Uh, But look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys, you know, flips, sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? 
Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Yeah, and, and I thought it was, you know, it, we obviously the snippet, the first part of that is what everybody got. I'm glad you included that there because he did uh, give Wake their props. Uh, I guess Cam Newton was uh, in some fisticuffs here recently at a at a seven on seven, wasn't he? Pilk or no, I did or... not hear. I've been so caught up in ECU athletics and so uh, mad about Filipowski getting hurt. I've not paid much attention to non ECU well, athletics. I was at softball this you. weekend, baseball, basketball. Ooh. It's been a busy weekend. Well, for one of us. All right, uh, let's uh, do our pirate report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, lost to uh, Rice on the road in Houston, and this is uh, Mike Swartz talking about uh, the great guard, Evie, who lit up the Pirates. The fact is this, Mike, is that he dominated the game. Uh, he d- absolutely dominated the game. He's 12 of 19, 7 of 12 from three-point land. Three of four, gets six rebounds. He's plus 25 in the plus-minus. He leads their team, uh, you know, from that standpoint, too. And uh, I just thought he was, obviously, he was the difference in the game in terms of how he played. And uh, Coach Swartz said that their guards just flat-out outplayed ECU. But overall, I thought their guards uh, outplayed us, and and I thought we didn't get anything from our front court, which is very hard for us uh, from a scoring standpoint. And I thought that our lack of offense, and give their defense credit, but our lack of offense, I thought, without a doubt, affected our defense, particularly in the last 10 minutes of the game. And, Philip, the ref Pilkington noted this earlier, uh, and it's something noted by Mike Swartz here. He thought that uh, the, uh, the missed shots dictated the way the Pirates played defensively. I thought we got looks in the first half, but as, as we talked about with our team, is that you don't, you can never allow the ball going through the hoop to affect you in other areas, and I thought that, um, I thought we allowed that to start happening in the last 10 minutes of the game, whether it be a frustration for not shooting the ball well or missing shots around the rim or missing open threes and even free throws in the first half. It seemed like it caught up with us, and all of a sudden we go from, you know, the first half they shot 40%, we shot 40%, and you look at what happens in the second half. Obviously, we shoot 29% and, and end up shooting that 35% for the game, and I thought it affected our defense, but I give Evie a, a lot of credit for that because even when we guarded things the right way, I thought Evie was dynamic, and he was making shots off screens. He was making shots off the bounce. He throws one in from basically, you know, the, the logo. Right. He throws one in at the end of the shot clock. I mean, he had it going, and, um, you know, I don't think we responded real well. All right, uh, let's get to uh, Cliff Godwin here for the sake of time. We're going to have more from uh, Coach G coming up, uh, obviously. But uh, let's hit uh, where he talked about uh, cut six here. Uh, you come to a place like ECU for moments like uh, the walk-off win against North Carolina. You want to come to East Carolina because you have moments like that. And it's just great for college baseball. I mean, Coach Forbes and I are great friends. and. Um, we're going to continue to do this series. It's super competitive because they're a great program. We're a great program. But um, it was awesome to have it at our home field because that's what it took for us to win. Uh, let's hear from Bristol Carter on the final at bat, uh, cut number 12. 
Yeah, so just walking up, just try to control, control my breathing. The atmosphere all night was great. These fans are just amazing, but just going up there, I knew they were going to probably intentionally walk Dixon, so I knew it was up to me. And just trying to put a bear on the ball, that's exactly what I did. And just a great team win. Jake Hunter had an outstanding performance. Pitched this, I mean, he pitched amazing. And Dixon Williams putting the bat on the ball. And JC, just the, the team, it was definitely a team win. And, um, Definitely a great win in front of all these amazing fans. And Bristol Carter said he knew the Tar Heels were going to attack him since the bases were juiced. Oh, I was ready for sure. I mean, I knew, like you said, bases loaded. They had to throw me. They weren't going to walk me, so I knew I was going to get a pitch to handle, and I did, and I took it the other way. All right, stay tuned. When we come back here on the PJ Show, we go inside the ECU clubhouse with uh, Pirate head coach Cliff Godwin. He'll join Steve and I go and myself, so don't you dare go away. Philip Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. The baseball team took two out of three over the weekend against 15th-ranked North Carolina. Bristol Carter walked off the rubber match Sunday with a single that scored Jacob Starling to lift the Pirates over the Tar Heels. Be sure to tune in tomorrow right here to 94.3 The Game for the 2.45 airtime for the 3 o'clock first pitch live from Norfolk, Virginia, as the Pirates will be taking on the Old Dominion Monarchs, Scott Rogers, and Coach Gary Overton will be on the call. The men's basketball team snapped their three-game win streak over the weekend as they fell to Rice 72-52. They will be back in action Thursday when they host the Memphis Tigers right here in Greenville. The game can be heard right here on 94.3 The Game as well as our sister station 107.9, 6.30 airtime for that 7 o'clock tip. The women's basketball team defeated SMU over the weekend 74-64 in Dallas. They will be staying in the Dallas metro area as tomorrow night they will be and Denton taking on the Mean Green of North Texas at 7.30. That game is on ESPN+. The Pirate softball team improved to 16-1 over the weekend as they swept the Pirate Invitational, grabbing five wins over the weekend. And they will be back in action tomorrow at 4 o'clock when they host the NC State Wolfpack. Admission is free all season long to softball games. Another sport that's free admission is lacrosse. They improved to 3-1 over the weekend with an 18-12 victory over Furman. They will be hosting Elon on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. And the Cubs have re-signed Cody Bellinger to a three-year deal worth $80 million. Last year was Bellinger's first year with the Cubbies after leaving the Dodgers. He played in 130 games last year and batted 307. Jake Knapp conquered the Mexico Championship over the weekend, grabbing his first career PGA Tour win by shooting 19 under par. In NASCAR, Daniel Suarez grabbed his second career victory by three one-thousandth of a second over defending champion Ryan Blaney at Atlanta over the weekend. This was Suarez's first career victory on an oval track. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. On the other side of this timeout, we will be joined by the head coach of the Pirates, Cliff Godwin, to recap the weekend that was in Pirate Baseball as well as preview the upcoming week both with the Old Dominion Monarchs as well as this weekend's Keith LeClaire Classic. We're talking Pirate Baseball as we go inside the Pirate Clubhouse. Coach Cliff Godwin after a a wild week and a wild uh, weekend series and a heck of a Sunday finish. Uh, Stephen Igo from Hoist the Colors is alongside and uh, we say hello to Coach G. Coach Godwin with uh, the Pirates Winning it in a walk-off fashion, 
Never, never in doubt on uh, Sunday. Boy, I tell you, Coach, uh, it's kind of typical of these ECU UNC games between East Carolina and North Carolina. They always seem to have these just dramatic swings and ebbs and flows, and they're they're always coming down to the very end. Yeah, yesterday was amazing. I mean, it doesn't uh, you know go like you think it's going to go ever. Um, you have a lead. You're cruising. We know that our bullpen was a little bit thin after using some of our main guys the first two days. But um, I'm just so proud of our guys, the way they battled. And they, they took a lot of punches there at the end and just kept fighting and just refused to lose. And I don't think they would have been able to do it without the crowd that we had yesterday. The crowd was amazing. Um, I mean, we're in the country the second weekend of the year. Do you have sellouts in Chapel Hill, sellouts in Fayetteville, sellouts in Greenville and Man, the jungle in Clark McClure was rocking yesterday. I mean, it was a super regional environment. Absolutely, and a super regional-esque crowd uh, yesterday. And they saw Bristol Carter after uh, Dixon Williams was put on uh, to load the bases, deliver. Uh, you have to be happy for, for uh, him. Give us a little on Bristol Carter. I know highly recruited. He's He's been in the lineup. He's got a lot of ABs this year. Uh, take us through his evolution and, and – what he has uh, been doing that, you know, allowed him to come through in the clutch there? Well, pretty, uh, you know, dramatic weekend for him just all over. You know, I mean, Friday we start him in left field and there's twilight there um, in Chapel Hill. And we find out after the fact, I guess Clemson missed like three fly balls last year and um, they got some their outfitters some different glasses so they didn't lose the game in the twilight there for whatever reason. But um, as Jeremy Schumacher texted me last night, he goes, nobody's going to remember about Friday night because of what he did yesterday. So super happy for him because he's a hard worker. And uh, he played on Saturday because I wanted him to get back out there and uh, um, just not kill his confidence because he didn't see the ball. If he sees the ball, he can catch it. And, uh, you know, yesterday, Noak starts. Noak gets a big swing off, I think, in the seventh or eighth inning, whatever it was. And, uh, we put Bristol in for defense in the ninth, and of course that spot comes up. And man, it was an awesome moment for him, for our team, uh, for Pirate Nation. So, I um, mean, he didn't try to do too much. I mean, I told him to hit the ball in the middle of the field, and he hit it in right center and, and walked them off. So, great moment for Bristol and our team. Yeah, Coach, awesome. uh, just a you know awesome atmosphere. It, it was kind of like one of those deals where when you were at the game, obviously UNC kept punching back. You guys kept answering, but it felt like who would get the last at bat may have the, the shot to walk it off. And also, when you are playing at home, it just feels like no matter what happens, y'all are always going to answer. You know, part of that is the crowd. But do y'all have that feeling too in the dugout? Yeah, and uh, you know, everybody was a little bit deflated when you know D'Lo um, threw the wild pitch, and of course he's not trying to throw the wild pitch. But I just kept yelling to the team when we got in. I was like, "Hey, man, it's way cooler to just walk them off." and to just have won it in the, uh, you know, the, the top of the ninth <laughs> inning. So let's let's do a walk off. Let's let's do something cool. And uh, you know, of course, Carter strikes out the lead off the inning, and their pitcher's strutting around the the mound, feeling good about himself. And then, you know, Starling misses a double by inches, and you know, the but then he stays in it and hits a ground ball through the shift, and then JC hits a double, and like you said, they intentionally walk Dixon, and then. Uh, Bristol spot comes up and man uh, lays off a slider outside the strike zone and then he got another one and just stayed on it and that was in the strike zone and hit it right center. So Luke Nowak had the uh, the home run in the eighth and 
I want to know how many home runs does he hit in BP and uh, off the bat, what, what was the chances you thought it was getting out? He doesn't hit a ton in BP, but he hits some. You know, he he is uh, a strong uh, a strong dude for sure, and uh, his power's been showing up more. But you know, I, I knew, well, I thought he hit it a little bit better than he hit the one earlier in the game. That the guy was probably I don't know five ten feet in front of it, but I just was like, please go out and kind of like, hey hoping for a little gust from the gods to, to push that thing out. But uh, it actually went out a little bit farther than I thought, um, which was awesome. And, uh, Coach, just, you know, the, the starting pitching all weekend just delivered in, in a massive way. Trey is savage Friday, Zach Root Saturday, Jake Hunter Sunday. Just what can you say about those three guys and the way they, they've started the season? Man, they've been special. <laughs> I can tell you that. I mean, what Trey did Friday night, and I know we didn't win, but – um, to strike out 11 guys, to, you know, have two balls misplayed in the outfield that would have been outs, um, which he gave up the one run there, and then not giving up another run. I think it was second and third one out, and uh, him to be able to navigate um, that situation. I don't think there's many pitchers in the country to be able to do that. And then, you know, it's a tough loss, and um, we talk a lot about how Zach Root has pitched well in big games. Well, Saturday was a big game because it's a momentum game, and, um, you're a neutral site. I thought the crowd was awesome there as well. And Root just goes out seven innings and scoreless and just keeps them at bay. And they're a good offensive team, so that's what even makes it more special. And then what Jake did yesterday, five and a third, and I thought he pitched great. I think it's one of his best starts as well. So those guys just continue to push one another and continue to get better every week. And, and it's just a great job by Coach Knight and the entire pitching staff. We're uh, talking pirate baseball with uh, Coach Cliff Godwin. Since uh, the great Stephen Igo brought up the starting pitching, I'm going to hit on the uh, the bullpen a little bit here. Danny Beal bounces back Saturday and picks up uh, the third of an inning save for you. But, uh, again, another instance where you send a guy back out there with an opportunity to, to make good, in, in a sense, uh, after a tough Friday on Saturday. Yeah, Danny, you know, made one bad pitch, and you make a bad pitch to – one of the best players in the country, that's what they can do to you. So, of course, uh, we got a ton of confidence in Danny. Um, you know, we probably utilized him too much this week. He will not pitch on Tuesday. I can promise you that for the workload he took in the first week of the season. Um, but we just got to continue to develop guys, these young guys. I mean, I thought some guys out of the bullpen did what they needed to do yesterday. I thought Aaron Groller, it was just one batter, but he struck the lefty out, man. Um, so we got to keep putting guys out there in situations like that. I thought D'Lo did a really good job, man, in that moment. You're a freshman in front of 6,000 people. That's a big moment. But he looked yeah. the part. He looked the part. And, you know, he backed his way into his first collegiate win. Who cares, you know. Um, but uh, <laughs> he didn't lose He didn't lose the game for worse, and he, and he looked yeah. the part for sure. And, you know, other than the wild pitch, we were out of the inning. And, um you know, when I went back and watched it last night, that was the cool thing. It was like, man, we we're so close to just closing it out there. D'Lo's going to be ready um, the next time he goes out there in that moment. So, um, and Ethan Norby's going to be fine, man. He just, hey, they're right-handed hitter off the bench. Uh, we were going on a left-on-left matchup, and um, they brought a right-handed hitter who's a freshman as well. And Norby got in a bad count, a 2-0 count. And the guy hit a fastball, three-run jack, but he's going to be back out there as well. I was texting with Connor last night and I was like, hey man, like your brother's gonna be good, man. So make sure you're not too hard on him because Connor at times can be 
hard on his brother as the big brother can. So, uh, but we got a ton of confidence in those guys. And, um, you know, Jaden Winter's going to be better out of the bullpen. Uh, Eric Ritchie's going to continue to get better. Uh, we just got to get a little bit better. It's not light years, and, and we're going right. to solidify the bullpen for sure. It's been a little bit of uh, a tough time for uh, for Jacob Starling, uh, Cliff, and uh, he comes out Saturday, gets four hits, a multiple hit game yesterday. What have you seen in him that maybe he's starting to kind of turn it around for you a little bit? Well, I, I just him and J-Dub were two guys last week that I spent a lot of time with when those guys are better than they've ever been, but they want to win so bad that they've almost put too much pressure on themselves. And I just felt like they were pressing. So um, for two older guys, you got to you got to make them feel, hey, man, you're better. I want you to have fun. I sometimes get nervous about using the word fun. But for those guys, they need to have more fun, man. They came back for their senior year. They've invested a lot to the program, man. You got to go back, go back to playing wiffle ball in the backyard, man. Like you're prepared. You're good. Just go have fun. And um, both those guys, I thought, performed at a high level this weekend because they just were out there having more fun with their teammates. Luke Nowak said after Sunday's game, Coach, that he's never been a part of a win where so many guys, you know, entered, contributed, and uh, he said basically that that's what you guys are all about, and uh, I know that had to make you proud, and look, I mean, even if, if guys had their struggles, they still found ways to contribute, and, and it just, you know, it was a total team win, so h- how much confidence can the whole roster take from that type of game going forward, because I know that's what y'all preach, always be ready for, for your moment. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, this early in the year, you have a game like that which you have to utilize your bench so much, and in crucial situations, it's not like it's a, um, you know a game in front of five hundred people. It's in front of six thousand. It's a rivalry game. It's for um, whoever wins to win the series. So um, that's a very valuable experience. I've, I've told a lot of people, man, for both programs to play in front of those crowds for three games in the second weekend of the year, we can't, you know, design that kind of pressure in practice. We can't, no, no matter how we try to draw it up. So for both teams, it's going to pay off uh, huge dividends at the end of the year because that's what type of crowds you're going to play in in the postseason. And I do want to give give kudos to uh, yourself and Scott Forbes for continuing to play the series because I, I just feel like, Cliff, it's just such a great series for college baseball. I mean, I went to all three games this weekend and phenomenal. Uh, I know it, I know it's taxing maybe traveling and, and, and the emotions of the series, but isn't this what college sports should be like? In-state games and, you know, I think we get lost with all conference realignment with this stuff sometimes and maybe it's not that complicated. Just play a team up the road as much as possible. It's pretty fun, right? Yeah, and, and I'm look, I just told our staff I'm thankful for Scott Forbes. I mean, how many head coaches at the University of North Carolina would continue to want to play East Carolina um, because we're both good. I mean, that's the the thing is, man, like you've got to play your best brand of baseball to be able to win the game. And But it's great for college baseball. It's great for the state of North Carolina. I mean, think about how much national exposure North Carolina and East Carolina got this weekend. Sellout crowds, all three places, and – the emotion of two one-run games, one on Friday night, one uh, yesterday. Um, it's just awesome. and It's awesome to be part of. Yeah, it's draining. I'm super exhausted today. But, man, what a what a cool uh, moment yesterday for East Carolina because we won. But, man, for everybody, man, just you're out there competing in front of huge crowds. And it's way more fun to do that than play in front of 100 people. 
Coach, uh, you got Old Dominion tomorrow, so it's the quick turnaround and the trip uh, to to Norfolk and uh, going on the road uh, for a uh, third true road game of of the year. Have you? You probably do. You have in mind maybe who you're going to start. Do you have an idea how you're going to approach this pitching wise? Because again, as you said, there were a lot of guys that maybe got uh, used a little more than you wanted in the first week of the season. Um, Yeah, it'll be a bullpen day. Um, Like I said, Danny Gill will not pitch. Um, we're not a hundred percent sure yet. Um, we will have this in the next hour or so. So I'll text Igo uh, once again, when we find out who we're starting, but, uh, um, a lot of guys need to get back out there. You know, some that maybe didn't have the success. I mean, Norby's one guy that we got to get back out there quickly because he needs to get back out there because he is a good pitcher. And, um, I don't want him to have that weighing over his head for too long and uh, get him back out there just as we put Bristol Carter in, in the outfield and left field on Saturday because I want him to get back out there after you know a tough night on Friday. Well, and obviously that paid uh, with Bristol coming out and coming through for you yesterday. Uh, let's stick it with pitching Jason Dietrich, uh, and he'll be part of the uh, Claire Classic this weekend with Fullerton uh, coming in, and uh, he's in his third year in that program. I know you don't look too far ahead you're not scouting per se but i mean this is a pretty stout field that coach claire would be quite proud of yeah three quality opponents i mean you've got purdue you've got cal state fullerton you got southeastern louisiana all have had good programs and um you know like i always say to to our guys you got to play well to win college baseball games so we'll have our work cut out for us but coach claire will be proud of, of the fight our guys had yesterday as i told Dave Kimball out in the jungle, who was our student manager when I played here. And, um, you know, Coach LeClaire, um believed in toughness and grit and fight and, you know, overcoming adversity and being blue collar and all those things. So it's an awesome event. And, uh, of course, we'll have the mustache march. Mustache is going here shortly to, to raise money for ALS and all that good stuff, which is such a great thing. And um, we'll be excited, but we do have our, our work cut out for us tomorrow at Old Dominion. Yeah, uh, Purdue also taking uh, two out of three from George Mason, a team that you know very well and Pirate fans know very well yesterday uh, and uh, had some big offensive numbers put up in the last couple games uh, of that of that series. So that's who the Pirates will have Friday at 4.30, uh, the Boilermakers uh, there. Uh, Coach, will uh, the, Le- the Leclerc's will be there. Will they be there in, in the same form? I know Audrey's in particular in med school, so we'll – well, all of that, they'll they'll be here and uh, the the first pitch and and all that from uh, JD and Audrey. Yeah, I'm 99 percent sure they'll all be here. Actually, Lynn was here a couple weeks ago and stopped in my office uh, opening weekend. Um, Audrey's actually looking at a few different med schools, so um, I don't think she knows exactly where she's going to go yet um, gotcha. when it comes to that. Um, and I might have that off, but I know that she's looking at East Carolina in some capacity, so that's kind of cool. Um, but Lynn will definitely be here, and, and I think J.D. will be as well, which I can't tell you how much I appreciate Lynn and just the entire family being so supportive of me and just coming back for every time we have the Keith LeClaire tournament. And, of course, they're at every regional, whether it's at Clark LeClaire or at UVA, which – makes me emotional because she's so invested in it, um, you know, years later after Coach LeClaire has passed, and it just means the world to me. Coach, I want to hit on Joey Barini. We've kind of, I don't know, I guess we've all kind of dubbed big game root, but should we start calling 
on a big game, Barini, or a big moment, Barini. He just seems to always come through with those, you know, clutch at bats, and he did it again yesterday. Y'all executed several hit and runs late, just, and he was a big part of that. So I, I know he didn't get off to the best start, but another guy that had some huge moments this weekend. Well, and so everybody knows uh, Joey broke a broke his wrist in the Purple Gold World Series. Uh, um, Corey Costello hit him with a pitch, and um, he, he still has some pain in that wrist, and he limits his swings uh, during batting practice. He never hits off a pitch, pitching machine. And, um, of course, Joey never lets you know because he's just steady Eddie, you know, really how it feels. But I grabbed him on Saturday just because some of his check swings on Saturday just looked a little unorthodox to me. And I said, uh, Shaq, how you feeling, man? Like, you got to be honest with me. He's like, Coach, I feel fine. And uh, I'm, I'm good enough, and uh, which I always appreciate. But Sunday, um, and he's hit some balls hard. He's just hit balls right at him, kind of like Star was doing early in the season. But of course, people that just see box scores, you see, you know, 0 for 4 or 1 for 4. You don't really understand that he's actually barreling balls up. But I grabbed him in the seventh inning yesterday, and um, a lot of credit goes to SportWorks because our devotion Sunday morning was about encouragement. And Webb Tyndall ran it and I actually texted Webb this morning that I appreciated um, his message because yesterday in the dugout when everything was seeming to go sideways and they're coming back and they're taking leads, it was just in my mind, it was ingrained encouragement. So I walked up to Shaq in the seventh inning and I said, hey, man, like uh, you're going to have a big moment, dude. Like you've earned it. And I know you always come through. I'm paraphrasing. Reason, but hey, just be ready because you're gonna have a big moment. And man, you talk about the perfectly executed hit and run, and then his next at bat, he had a single as well. And uh, I'm just so happy for a guy that came here as a walk on, had 15 at bats, I think, his freshman year, maybe 15 at bats his sophomore year. Of course, played shortstop for us last year. And man, he's such a, a great team guy, and he just wants to win for us. So I'm so proud of him. Last thing for me, Coach, uh, Saturday I know it was not televised, but uh, I, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan McChrystal through maybe the best ball of his career to nab Honeycutt um, at second. I mean, that was an awesome throw. He also had the weird sequence where he got a hit, but it was t- there was time called during the pitch. But uh, I know you guys are trying to find a way to get him more at bats, but uh, I just thought that throw was, was worth mentioning. mentioning, just a great baseball play. No, I mean, you talk about, you know, suffocating North Carolina. I mean – Root was doing that, but they got their guy at first base that nobody throws out. I mean, he never gets thrown out. It's just he's so fast. And McChrystal threw a major league throw. I think a lot of people had him like at a 181, which is astronomically quick. Um, and it's on the money. And, man, it's a huge momentum play because they look and go, man, they just threw out our guy in a big moment. And he caught awesome on Saturday, and I told him that. And he's uh, continually to get better with swinging. Uh, Coach Packard, uh, Coach Lartigue are working hard with him, and um, Ryan's going to continue to get more opportunities. He's just got to continue to work and be a great teammate. But, of course, uh, he's a big part of what we have moving forward. And, uh, Coach, uh, last thing for me for you will be, as you look at, uh, you know, the tomorrow and going into the week, uh, third week of the season, what are the what are the next steps you feel like that uh, the group needs to take, and maybe some areas you'll you'll work on? Well, we need to keep getting some guys that you know haven't pitched a lot out of the bullpen and continue to develop those guys. I think that's something, and 
you know, really just to hammer home the, the selfless attitude because uh, we do have a good team and we are deep, um, especially position player wise. I mean, you know, yesterday uh, we DH Clanch and, and I really, you know, just uh, wavered on it, prayed about it. And uh, man, he had a big at bat, which he didn't even get a face to starting pitcher, which was a right hander because by the time he got up, they had brought the left hand, but had a big sack fly. And then, um, the big walk, I think, in the seventh or eighth inning, and I can't remember exactly, but we scored that inning because of his walk. And uh, I texted him last night. He's just been such a great teammate. He's a senior. He believes in this place and just what we're about and told him just to keep doing what he's doing because I'm so proud of him. Great stuff. Uh, always good to catch up with Coach Godwin. Coach, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck against Old Dominion on Tuesday, and uh, we'll, of course, see you this weekend for the uh, LeClaire Classic. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. Welcome in to the final segment of the Patrick Johnson Show as we get set to wrap it up. Here today, ahead of Inside Pirate Athletics with Patrick Johnson, Stephen Igo, and Coach Mike Schwartz from Tiebreakers to be sure to stay tuned in here for that as we get set to wrap up this show. We've already talked a little, a lot of baseball, but we're going to continue to talk some baseball here. And what was a phenomenal series this weekend? You had the pitchers' duel on Friday. You had a game Saturday where the Pirates jumped out to a huge lead, and, and Carolina did everything they could to fight back, but the Pirates were just too much. And then obviously yesterday's game, which started out with a great outing from Jake Hunter, and then it got to where both teams, I guess, were tired of not scoring as they had not scored great throughout the first part of the weekend and started squaring up some baseballs finally. But at the end of the day, the Pirates win two out of three against Carolina the series is huge for the Pirates. We just don't get the quality of competition in conference play that North Carolina brings. And it's good for two reasons. A, RPI. And I know people don't like hearing about it, but at the end of the day, you got to get RPI booster games. you got to win those games so that you can host. We want postseason baseball in Greenville, and yesterday shows why. On top of that, to prepare our team. Yes, it is a long ways away. But I think yesterday's game was huge. I'm almost glad that it played out the way it did. Yes, it would have been nice if the bullpen came in and looked just as good as Jake Hunter, but some relief pitchers got into situations that they were not comfortable in, that they had not been in before. And now some performed better than others, but at the end of the day, we got the win, and we still need to add some depth to this bullpen. These starters, this is the best one, two, three starters the Pirates have ever had. This team is set up staff-wise to win a Super Regional if we get there. I'm not saying 100% we're going to, but more so than ever before. You know, we ran into teams like Louisville, like Vanderbilt, those years that we lost to those two teams. Those teams were designed to take a best two out of three series. I don't think the Pirates have ever been this designed to take a best two out of three series. I love this staff. I mean, Trey, 
you you don't have to talk about Trey. We know. Zach has totally adapted to becoming a Saturday starter perfectly. Now I get it's only two weeks, but he's just so calm, cool, and collective up there. And then Jay Hunter, wow. You know, we already knew Jay Hunter had it, but the thing is with Jay Hunter is he only had the fastball changeup, and when they were working, it was great. But when teams started to square those things up, and it wasn't from a mental side where Jake would break down, but kind of once they started squaring him up, it was kind of game over just because once you can hit a guy who throws something without a lot of break that doesn't make you think a lot, you're, you're on him. And him developing that splitter this offseason, I mean, wow. He, he actually talked about it yesterday post-game with Coach O. I worked pretty hard over the summer and over the offseason to kind of develop a second and third pitch. I mean, it's just huge. You know, I've, I've always kind of had a pretty good fastball. Um, so just trying to get ahead of hitters and get weak contact early. That's kind of a starter's job. So just having that's been awesome. And, man, now that he's got that splitter, just another breaking pitch or first true breaking pitch he can throw it just makes him so much tougher to square up. And this staff is – this this starting staff is great. And, you know, this bullpen, you know, I kind of hit on it earlier. I'm glad it happened the way it did yesterday to get some of these young guys' experience. Look, you got Chris Kaler, and he can be your long relief guy. And you've got Wyatt Lunksford Chinkman, and he can be a long relief guy. And then you got Danny Bill, who you can say, ninth inning, one-run lead, here's the baseball, get me three outs. And I think there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of transfer talent, but we still need to find more to the identity of the bullpen. Who exactly is going to do what? Who's going to replace Carter Spivey when there's one-out guys on second and third in the seventh inning? We need to find that out, and AK and Cliff Godwin will find that out. I believe it. But the only way they're going to find it out is being tested and being tested the way they were yesterday. And that was a big learning experience for a lot of kids, even for the kids who it didn't go well for. You know, you don't brush them to the side because one outing didn't go well, and they won't. But what a special opportunity for this staff, for this team. And they came out on top. We had clutch hitting from a freshman. We had some clutch pitching from some freshmen. And look, in order to win a Super Regional, to break the door down, to go to Omaha, these are the kind of things that will have to happen. And you're going to have to win a Regional first. And look, in a perfect world, in a Regional, you go out there, you win three games, and, you know, root deals, trade deals, and Jake Hunter deals, and they all throw eight innings, and you're up big in every game, and then you just send whoever out there to close out the ninth because you're up 12 runs. But that's not ideal. or Sorry, it is ideal, but it's not realistic. And then the same thing with the Super Regional now. I think, like I said, I think we're more designed of a Super Regional team than a Regional team. Because if we do have to play four or five games, yeah, we could start Kaler or Wyatt. I like that. But then are you losing them kind of on the back end some other days? It's going to be interesting to see how this bullpen progresses. I'm almost, you know, everybody's looking forward to seeing the starters pitch. And don't get me wrong, these guys are amazing. But I'm almost looking forward these next few weeks against some of these teams to see how the bullpen progresses. How do guys go in and find their role within this bullpen 
so that this team can win a conference championship, so that this team can win a regional, and so this team can break down the door to Omaha. All right, that will do it for our Patrick Johnson show today. Thank you for tuning in. Reminder, no show tomorrow preempted by Pirate Baseball. No way to watch Pirate Baseball right here on 94.3. The game will be the only way to get it other than going to the game. So thanks to PJ. Thanks to Steven Igo. Thanks to Coach Cliff Godwin for joining us today. Have a great rest of your night, Pirate Nation, and stay tuned for Inside Pirate Athletics because that is next. Mm-hmm.